0: If you like to watch Survivor And when the show ends You really want to talk about it With like-minded friends It might be hard to find some But don't you shed a tear Check out the Purple Rock podcast And this is what you'll hear John will make some dumb jokes And he likes to yell and curse And if they're not available The backup posts are so much worse We'll spend the whole time being jerked. And telling you you're wrong. So we found a nice person to sing you our theme song. It's the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to the Purple Rock Podcast. I'm your host this week, Andy, and with me as scheduled is Brad. Brad, welcome back to the show.
2: Thanks, Andy. It's great to be back for, I think it's my second one of the season. But yeah, it's great to be back on the pod. Yeah, and uh, we had a uh, pretty interesting episode this
1: week to discuss, and in true Purple Rock fashion, it discussed uh, topics uh, near and dear to our hearts, but... We did not have anybody scheduled uh, that could speak to it from a personal level. Usually we don't let that stop us. We just go anyway and just figure, hey, who knows better than us? But I figured, you know, when we're dealing with like 50 percent of the population, there has to be some uh, woman out there ready to talk to us. Uh, turns out the answer was no for Emily. So then I was like, ah, I have no ideas. <laughs> uh, but then I was like, Em, Em, I can do something with that. So I contacted our good friend. You guys all may know her as M and Scout and BK. Uh, Scout, unfortunately, was not able to join us for the podcast. So uh, we just have M with us. M, welcome to the podcast for the first time ever.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Yes, and uh, thank you for uh, coming on and offering this perspective. Because like Shaka Khan, you will be every woman. Just the, the whole, you know... <sighs> Half of the population, you are going to have to represent uh, all their thoughts and dreams for the discussion we're about to have. And then we're going to talk about stuff that, you know, it's just whatever. You don't have to be a, a woman for it. But, you know, you still can be one.
0: I am really excited to speak on behalf of my entire gender.
1: Yeah, no, no pressure. No pressure. Um, <laughs> and, Brad, you're also welcome to speak on these issues, even though, you know, as uh, we've previously established, not a woman. Um because Yeah, know, and probably... I'll,
2: I'll extend the same thing to you, Andy, because even though we might not extend it previously, we know that you're going to do it anyway, so might as well make it formal. So
1: interestingly, and nobody will believe me, but um, when I was watching the episode, and you know, as Tribal Council was going on, it finished, and I was, you know, th- these are things like we've talked about many times on this show, you know, on, on Slack, on Twitter, wherever, um, but I was like... I don't know. Even I care about what I have to say about this subject. So that's kind of where it came from. Uh, We'll see where that goes. But before we get into, um, you know, tribal council, I was thinking you got, you know, Brad, you haven't been on the podcast for a while and you've never been on the podcast. How are we feeling about this season now that the pre-merge is over? Uh, Brad, how would you go first?
2: So I am feeling pretty good. This pre-merge has been uh, not uneventful. I think I would rate it overall maybe like a B-plus leaning into an A-minus. It's not the gold standard that we've seen some, some pre-merges, but, you know, there's been action going on. We've gotten good character moments. You know, there's comedy. Island of the Idols has not been, uh, you know, a big bomb like some of our other special islands of seasons past. And, you know, heading into the merge, I'm feeling really good about the players that we still have left on the board. There are obviously a few goats that are going to be herded, um, but I don't think that they're going to take over and boot all of the best players. I think there's still a lot of game left to be played. Em, how are you, how are you feeling about the season so far?
0: I feel really good about it. I think the casting was spot on this season. Uh, I'm really excited about the people who are left. I think there are people that I really like who are still in the game. Uh, obviously i'm thrilled that elaine is still there i mean elaine slash eileen um i am really uh i'm really excited about kelly i'm really really excited about kelly um and i think that a lot of the people who went out early were not people i were i was too thrilled about to begin with and that makes for a good post-merge
1: yeah uh, i'm enjoying it i think you know I don't think there's been any dud episodes, you know, not everything's been as spectacular, but that would be weird. Um, you know, sometimes just Survivor is enough, uh, but we've also gotten some good things. And even in episodes that maybe wouldn't have had big fireworks strategy-wise or whatever, we've gotten the character moments that Brad has talked about. Like, and some pretty unique ones. Unique enough for me, you know, force me to share my airtime with somebody else. Um, so, yeah, I like it. And uh, the Island of the Idols aspect, I don't know if it's working or not, but, you know, what it is, is it's not hurting. And that's kind of the big thing. And the reason why it's not is the same reason why any season of Survivor succeeds or fails. The cast is good.
0: Andy, that was a really, really good point about the character moments. I think we were missing that in a lot of the past few seasons.
1: Yeah, and I think part of it is there's a balance throughout the cast. And I think uh, on in comments, uh, Assistant Dragonslayer pointed this out. There might not be any superstars. It's possible there are. Um, you know, I think Elaine certainly has that potential. I, Missy, I feel similarly about. but. The ball is being shared by many, and I'm using basketball references here just because that's who I am. Even if I'm down, the people I'm speaking with aren't get that, but uh, like. We're getting so much from everybody that we're getting a balanced character moments or not everybody, but I'm not, you know, saddened by the small amount of Jack or Dean moments or anything like that. Um, But yeah, there's like enough really good characters are out that we don't need a a huge character. And in fact, I think sometimes in previous seasons, uh, a huge character comes at the expense of developing
2: all the others.
0: That's like a strong ensemble cast. (laughs)
2: Yeah, for sure. Because you definitely need that balance when you have just one person overpowering the rest of the game. It detracts from everything overall. Like when you had Dom and Wendell and pretty much no one else, like Mm -hmm. there was nothing to do except watch Dom and Wendell. Versus when you watch, you know, Tony and Kagaian, Tony is, you know, even beyond the type of character that Dom and Wendell individually or collectively were. But he was balanced out by everyone else in the cast that made for an overall just more dynamic viewing experience. Yeah, and I
1: think with the character moments, that's let's get into that because um I think the biggest thing, at least, you know, from the perspectives of the audiences that we share, uh was coming out of the tribal council was the discussion um you know initiated when Jamal was talking about a women's alliance and this led to survivor talking about the things that we frequently talk about. Um, and, you know, we being obviously this show, the, the commenters of the show, but also like the survivor internet of that, you know, I follow. There's a whole other kinds of survivor Internet that I have no interest in following. And, um, I think the simple question and this is what I will pose it and then I'll just kind of listen. I'm going to try that. Let's we'll see how that goes. Is um like how do we feel just about the discussion itself, not even necessarily the particulars of what, you know, say Al- Elaine wasn't at that podcast uh, at that tribal council uh, Kelly or Janet or you know, whoever, but just like that it was being had and survivor was giving, you know, voice to these concerns. How did it feel just to kind of watch that and what did it make you feel about, you know, the season and about the show? And I'll let Em speak now.
0: I was thrilled. I was really, really thrilled that they aired it. I was so glad that it was there. Um, I think that there has been, and we'll, we'll get into this more when we talk specifically about what they said, but there has been so much hysteria about women's alliances and there has been so, uh, basically ever since the black widow brigade existed, uh, there has been just utter hysteria about that specific thing. And it's never really been truly addressed. Um, slowly they've been addressing, uh, gender issues and survivor, but it's been a really slow March. Um, Angelina brought up the idol disparity. Um, and that's something that, that, You know, we've talked about, but we hadn't really seen it on screen uh, until that moment. Um, And it was really nice to see this issue come up and really be fleshed out.
1: Yeah, and I liked about it was, you know, they were speaking about it uh you know the the issues uh that you know within you know, sexual politics and such within the world but also like metatextually within survivor both within the game and within the television show and yeah like again that's that's where we live man that's what we're, we're talking about a lot so yeah, you know, just from that perspective it was good and i i you know there was different things we're going to get into but yeah brad brad what did you uh
2: feel about the conversation No, for sure. It's definitely a conversation that even outside of Survivor, like we as a community, as a podcast, as a commentariat have been having these discussions, but it's really not necessarily a discussion that's being had with larger populations, you know, in every circle. Um, I can, you know, probably say with confidence that there's some number of Survivor casuals who have heard of, you know, Me Too and some of the things that are happening, but haven't actually actually had the time to Like, stop and reflect and talk about it with a human. So, to have that put in front of them, I think is valuable just as something that's happening um, on a TV show, you know, such as Survivor. Um, And then, within the context of what was happening at Tribal, you know, I was super happy that all of the women on that tribe were able to give their experiences and their perspectives, as well as, um, you know, Jamal, who I don't think even in the moment of what he was saying realized what he was saying and how it was being perceived. But the fact that, Everyone got to have their perspective. And then he came back and supported it and like, yes, this is actually what I believe I'm with you on this. And that elevated the discourse as opposed to, we can imagine there's some people who would turn immediately to, there's not a second bone in my body. And it would take an entirely different tone in that tribal. So to get the tone that we got and the way that, you know, these perspectives were really, um, you know, had the spotlight put on them and were uplifted. I thought that was great as well.
1: Yeah. It's the second week in a row where like, they're willing to have the discussion, the discussion that, you know, so many people are not willing to have so many people would do as Brad is saying, you know, just suddenly become defensive, you know, Oh no, this is the way it is. Like just imagine this discussion, in the other tribe, and you know, we don't know for sure, but would it have been handled, you know, in as open a way with, you know, say Aaron and Dan in the room. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I think we all have our guesses of which the answer was B. Um, but yeah, so just, that it was happening like the show was actually going there was great and part of that is because the people went there and that's what survivor frequently does and why you know i'm more quick to say criticize the people that are on survivor than the people who make survivor is like they really do help shape what's going on obviously the editors could choose not to use it at all and you know there's been cases probably well no almost definitely where they haven't uh because
0: there's one hundred percent. One hundred percent that's <laughs> happened. We know it's happened. There's yeah. survivors have talked about it. And I feel like we have really missed out because of that. And I think that what we're seeing now is the is the editors choosing to include it. And we are better for it because those are the moments that we're going to remember from this season. So let's get
1: into the specifics then uh, about what was discussed. And I think uh, I was most interested, although, again, if you guys want to talk about the other perspectives as well welcome to it i was most interested in the perspectives brought forth by kelly and janet um so that's the ones i wrote down but yes of course if we want to talk about what karishma said uh, we're welcome to do that um so let's start with kelly uh and what did you think about the perspective because she was kind of the one that started it. you know jamal says hey uh i might be going home women's alliance blah 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 and you know she wasn't having it and she you know went into you know her feelings right away
0: i was so into it i really loved what she said. Um I I it, it's basically how I felt. Um what she pointed out, she she made several points. Um she started out by pointing out basically that The assumption, just the assumption that women are necessarily going to bond together, that that's what it's going to be, that necessarily there's going to be a women's alliance, that she finds that assumption sexist. And I think what she was really referring to was what I was stating earlier about the hysteria, because people bond over all sorts of things. But for some reason, this particular commonality is, number one, a reason that you're going out if you're going out. You know, I think it's happened before. It's happened to work Uh, which I know is not necessarily a season we think about all that often, but it's often a card that people play to get people voted out. Um, But this specific type of alliance is, is the one that really upsets people. But then she goes on to make the point that really is frustrating, which is no one cares about men's alliances. There are men's alliances all the time, but it doesn't inspire the same kind of fear that women's alliances do. And I think that, she was completely right on about that.
1: So that's the one part I will challenge is that I don't know if there actually are that many men's challenges. And I think the reason for it is men don't feel the need to protect themselves for being men because that's not punished in the way that being a woman is, but like, and also probably men often don't, aren't very good Alliance builders for one thing. Um, but yeah, like there hasn't been that many in survivor either there, but you no, know, the ones that are certainly aren't attacked for it. And, and also yeah, God, men aren't just having to like rally the way that, you know, some women have at least proposed in the past in Survivor, because, yeah, they're not looking around. It's like, okay, which man are we going to get rid of because this is the early part of the game? But, yeah, like, in terms of, like, the history of Survivor, uh, and, again, I could be wrong, and I'm I'm very happy to have the discussion, but, like, there's the three amigos, not terribly successful. Um, And also, like, three is a pretty weak alliance, no matter what the number. You have the four horsemen. I think that would be the biggest male uh, standard bearer, such as it were. Um, I think in Slack we discussed whether or not the – Blood versus water um, fans, or the non-returnees. I guess they're not all fans or family members. I think they definitely qualify. It fell apart like three votes in, but you know, for it was a rallying cry that Brad Culper Pepper was definitely using. Like we, we men have to stick together. And then you know, he turns around and votes out John. And, and it was pointed out when I uh, raised this earlier that Africa is probably the most successful one if you're talking like Ethan, Lex, and Tom. I think yes. that definitely qualifies. But for the most part, like again, I don't know if there's been a lot of men's alliances simply because I don't
2: know that men has felt the need that they have to bond that way.
0: Well, which I is... would
2: say. Oh, um, go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Okay. I was gonna say on the two things about that though, Andy, on the way that you're presenting that, one, if if we're saying if if that's our you know assumption that men don't feel the need to make those alliances because they're given safety to go and do whatever they need to do. Like that is also an inherent bias in the way that survivor is played. Right. So then it also ties back to like the, still the double standard of women can't make the Alliance that way plays into it. Plus on top of it, um, if we're counting up to, I think we counted up to like four or five men's alliances, which yeah, is not, you know, an exorbitant amount it is still more than the number of women's alliances that we've counted, but it's not that much more. And the fact that there still isn't the same, you know, um, hysteria is been saying that's brought to bear for when, you know, the shoes on the other foot, it also just points to even more bias, I would think.
0: And that's kind of what I was going to mention is that there have been more men's alliances, even though that may not be specifically the reason that all of them have formed is specifically because of their gender. Um, there have been more men's alliances than women. The 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 you know the Black Widow Brigade, obviously, it was formed. Uh, there was a lot of uh, you know women centric uh, uh, a women sector women centric bond, bonding in that alliance. But um, the other women's alliances, you have Vanuatu, which fell apart. A and B, they were forced into it because they had a tribe division to begin okay. with. Yeah, then he's in One World is kind of the same issue. Which is where I was gonna go is you have to put somewhat of an asterisk around yep. around One World because Kim wouldn't have necessarily gone with that alliance, uh, but it was her original tribe. Hmm. Um and then the only other alliance that I can think of is really the witches coven, which was not because they were women. <laughs> I mean I guess was, that's
1: why they got the title, but yeah, it was because they yeah. were left out of you know the other exactly. part of the group.
0: I mean, I suppose you could make the, the same bottom.
1: argument with the three amigos, though, right? Like they formed exactly. because everybody else was separating mm-hmm. them to the side. And yeah, yeah I mean, but I, again, I wasn't saying like, hey, men don't do these because they're better. Like what more frequent like men's alliance are things that don't really form. But kind of like what you saw tonight is that, um, hey, guys, we got to stick together because of this women's alliance that I'm creating the fear of. But in general, like most alliances in Survivor are just intergender, and it's probably because men treat being a man as the default status, right? So it's like we don't even have to bond over this shared trait because it's the dominant trait that we should have. And Whereas, yeah, they create the fear, and I've, I've discussed this in the past. I think a lot of it is because the Black Widows were so successful that there's nothing men fear more than looking as dumb as those men did.
0: One hundred
2: percent. Yeah, and the other thing that I think is funny is the reason that uh, there's such a fear about the Women's Alliance is because of the perceived results of you know the Black Widow Brigade and the Women's Alliance in One World. But even on top of that, how much of, of it was powered by the fact that women had teamed up versus these particular women who were great at playing the game, some of the you know best players who we've ever had, like you know Parvati and Kim, which you know I don't know if we're ever going to see gameplay like that from players of that caliber you know anytime I soon. i mean it would be amazing
1: when? yeah it'd be yeah. amazing if we could see it but i almost feel like survivor just won't let it happen
2: yeah i, mean, I, I, I just be don't great, know though guys it would be great but will it happen we don't know but right it's those caliber of players who happen to be aligned with women who had great results from their women's alliance but how much of it really had to do with the fact that the women had gotten together versus, you know, these particular players who were, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players who showed up and pulled together lines that ended up d- running the end game.
1: Yeah, well, it's like the same thing about the we have to break up the power couple, right? You know, there's this big fear and of the power couple. And I I, I it was one of our commenters. I feel like it might have been indescribable hat, but I I, I apologize, apologize if I'm misattributing it. But like there, everybody's obviously afraid of it because of Romber. Well, Romper had Rob and Amber, like, you know, like not every power couple has like a Rob going out there and, you know, and running everything and having an Amber, you know, helping steer him, you know, like, I don't think that like Figgy and Taylor were going to be that, for instance. So it's kind of the same way. It's like, you know, you get every, you know, four or five women together and they're not necessarily going to be, you know, Poverty and Sari. So that, that's a good point. Perfect. Um so on the other side, you know, so we had, you know, Kelly's argument to that degree. And again, she's objecting to the idea. And I, you know, again, I, I agreed with a lot of what she was saying. And I think, you know, I think the, like, again, the one objection is just the man's one, just because in Survivor, it just hasn't had to be that way. But in life, it certainly is that way a lot. Nobody really seems worried when a bunch of men get together. Uh, I can speak that because uh, in the industry I work in, almost every room is a bunch of men getting together, which is a. Crazy. Drastic shift, <laughs> maybe. Um, it's a drastic <laughs> shift from when I was growing up, uh, and my education was the total opposite. Um, but the, uh, yeah, Janet on the other hand was also kind of really against this perception and spoke to it. And I wanted to get your perspective of what Janet had to say, uh, M.
0: So Janet, again, um, it was really cool. First of all, just to see, even though they weren't saying exactly the same thing, it was so cool to see Janet and Kelly supporting each other throughout the entire tribal, like immediately while Kelly's talking, Janet's stepping in and being like, let it out. And then while Janet's talking, Kelly immediately jumps in to support her and they end with saying that they love each other. Like, it was just really sweet to see that. Um, it it just lovely. Um, Janet, I think that there was a lot of nuance in what she was saying. Because she starts off by saying it's really negative to assume that we're gonna be in a women's alliance. And initially I I misinterpreted it because I didn't hear the assume part. And I just heard it's negative to have a women's alliance effectively. <laughs> so then I played it back a couple of times and um I when she starts going off and she's basically like, listen I don't appreciate you stereotyping us and just assuming that we're only going to see each other on this one level. We are multi-layered people. We can bond on all sorts of things. Um, please do not reduce us to this one thing. Basically, it's effectively when you hear so many times in life, I'm not just going to vote for the woman candidate because I'm a woman. You know, <laughs> like that's what it felt like. You know, and um, I. And then at the end, she when she ends with this passionate, just saying, I have lived this. You know, it felt, it just felt so real, you know, and one thing that was very interesting was her immediate, um, what she immediately says that there are powerful women have to have supportive men and women around them. And she, right prior to saying that, she says that the accomplishments of women in the past year are reflective of the support of men. And I that was, that was, I mean, she's not wrong, <laughs> but it immediately, it was interesting for me because I immediately, it, it says something about myself where I immediately like, don't credit the men, you know, <laughs> credit the women for what they did, you know? So that caused, that was a good moment for me to reflect on how I feel about things.
2: Yeah. And I would say, um, I also had a similar reaction but i also tie it back to like janet not to ascribe you know ageist tropes or whatever of older people are more conservative but you know if you grow up in a different time i i take people when they're trying their best so janet i don't think is on the wrong side of the conversation it might just be a different perspective uh that had you know change and continuity over time in different respects um but yeah i'm with you that there was a lot the fact that she's like I've lived this and this is my experience and I know what it was like, you know, growing up and having all my personal experiences versus what is happening now and just being excited for it. You know, the kids who are watching at home. No, I definitely feel that. Uh, and I was, I, I was glad to get that perspective as well. Uh, the one thing that I think was interesting about it though was that she had this very open and honest, uh, you know, sort of presentation of her perspective and her experiences, and then at the end, she says, "I'm sorry," and cuts herself off, which I thought was just a very interesting wrinkle at the end of how we're having this open dialogue, and women are still apologizing for being honest about how they feel. Well, That's, you saw that
1: reflected. You. Sorry, uh, you saw that reflected after like her uh, fun moment of this episode, where she you know she flashes the group and she's coming off, with you know, kind of goofy, but also, hey, I don't have an idol. And then she apologizes to the ship's captain. Like, it just kind of st- shows, you know, part of who she is and probably, you know, that that auto response that's been ingrained in her.
0: Thank you guys so much for bringing that up, because I did notice she says sorry right after she's given this very impassioned uh, speech. Kelly says it twice, too. You mm. know, Kelly immediately after she says, I think that's really sexist. Sorry. And then at the end, when she's finished speaking, she also says, sorry, Janet speaks very passionately. Sorry. It's ingrained. I do it all the time, too. I say sorry constantly. Um, The minute you take up space, it's like you can't help it. You know?
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's it's. Obviously, such a a real thing. I, I like at work, I notice it, and like there's a a VP you know who you know I have, sometimes have to work with different departments, but I do stuff for her. She's also part owner of the company, and yet anytime she asks me to do something which is totally within the purview of my job, she like apologizes three times that she's asking me to do it and this is like and like I've only been at this job for like four months it's like if anybody she could just straight up say hey could you do this for me thank you like again politeness is great you know uh, when men ask me you know to do things you know generally they also ask nicely pleases and thank yous the ones that don't I don't feel like oh what a great leader I think he's an asshole um, but just like the you know the the apology nature is like ah oh, man it sucks that she feels like she needs to do that and like I know that like. I'm not giving off that vibe because I'm like in total, you know, want to please people mode right now, you know, a year from now, forget about it. But uh, so, yeah, no, it's a totally a real thing. And, you know, you can just see it even in this discussion, even in, you know, uh, an environment where they are very empowered. um, It's still there. But um so one question though I have is cuz I I agree both you know again my feeling while watching it is like yeah we're really seeing this and we're really getting these perspectives and then you know obviously you get on Twitter and people are supporting them great But people are also, I know this for a fact, this season, last season, every season we have are like, yes, women's alliances, we should always have women's alliances. As soon as they see three women talking, they start assuming the women's alliances in a positive fashion. So I just wonder, like, how much of, like, what Callie and Janet uh, especially, particularly because they were ones pushing back more against, you know, the very idea, like, why are you assuming there's a women's alliance? Is it undermined at all by the fact that, you know, there actually is a women's alliance going on this season and was talked about earlier in this episode, not by the, the participants of this tribal council, but of other people's like, hey, if we do this and I keep Lauren around, we could probably get the women's alliance thing going back around. So it's like, and frankly, Nora was trying to push a women's alliance uh, angle in her moves. Like, is it undermined at all by that?
0: Well, for one, Nora's Nora is Nora. uh, So that's that's there. I don't think it's undermined. Um, I think you can cheer on women's alliances and still appreciate this conversation because the issue is the assumption. The Mm -hmm. issue is the hysteria. It's not a denial that women's alliances exist. All kinds of alliances exist. It's the hysteria around this kind of alliance uh, and the assumption that it will happen because Janet sure sure as hell is not going to do this alliance. (laughs) She's made that very clear. Um, I mean, she
1: has, but at the same time, like, her targets have been her targets, right? Like, she has had no time. I mean, again, it's probably because she's just really smart and that she has no time for Dean is the person she wanted to get rid of. Um, maybe that's just the only example I have, so continue.
0: <laughs> what I see is... You. I would say there is not a women's alliance currently, um, because first of all, look at their targets. Second of all, I mean, Chelsea bye. um, but second of but all,
1: Chelsea I, was a backup target to Dean. It's
0: true. It's true. Uh, which, you know, I understand targeting Dean, but here's the thing, um, I rewatched a little bit of the first episode uh, because that's where they first start talking about the women's alliance. And what Missy says about forming a women's alliance is effectively this is what is the smartest thing for us to do right now. This is what is to our advantage right now, Um, because in the thing that she specifically brings up is that when she's talking to the other women, is that women get voted out in the first couple tribal counselor. Why is that a thing? What is that thing? Why is that a thing? So for her, the advantage was protecting the women from going out first and second. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they get to this vote swap. There are three women from her tribe and one man, Aaron, on this 4-4 tie. Who do they throw under the bus? Elaine. (laughs) They throw a woman. So that women's alliance went out the door real fast. You know, I think that Missy is out for Missy. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I, I, I think love her that, for it. Exactly. No shade, you know, <laughs> but I think the Women's Alliance is, so long as it is convenient.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I said as much earlier in the season, and I wholeheartedly agree. It's just, you know, it's just interesting because, like, yeah, the pushback was like, whoa, whoa, why is everybody always assuming Women's Alliance? But I also know that, like, the community that I see is, like, seriously, like, from preseason on is like women's alliance, women's alliance, women's alliance, <laughs> like in a positive fashion, right? Uh, so it's like, well, and to Jamal's point, and he made it you know, tribal council fairly well. It's like, hey, Nora, what are you talking about in women's alliance to come after me? Like, you well, know, in this specific instance, at least, he wasn't taking it completely out of nowhere. And I do think there was, a di- there was another angle to Kelly and Janet pushing back. I think, you know, when they were speaking from the heart, and about, like, what it was like within, you know, the world. And, you know, again, for Kelly, how tiresome it is that this is just a way to target women. 100% agree. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I already lost my point. Damn it. I was going
2: somewhere. <laughs> Any ideas? Yeah. I, well, I want to say about how Jamal, and this is the, the other thing that I want to, just one quick thing that I thought was interesting, is the entire conversation kicked off just because Dean said pointedly, Nora, didn't you say Jamal? If Dean doesn't say that, I don't know if we get to this entire point of this entire tribal. That part is probably true. But yeah. Um at, tell me, counselor, if I'm using this word correctly. I feel like those two pieces that Jamal asked Nora, Were you targeting me? And Jamal asked Nora, Are you considering a woman's alliance? Those two things are circumstantial, right? They can be independent and not necessarily related. One, because Nora did want to target Jamal, but that didn't need to involve solely the women. She could have been going to Dean with that. She could have been going to Jack, unlikely that she was going to Jack in particular, but it was possible, right? And then the um, the idea of, were you contemplating a women's alliance? Not is there a women's alliance, but at any point, did you think about it? She says, yeah, because that's, I think about all my options and this option in particular would be pretty cool. The same way that we all you know feel empowered when we see a women's alliance forming, right? But just because she thought that, it was possible to happen doesn't mean that she was acting on it to target jamal those two things might be independent yeah
1: well i'll also say this for nora yeah why not try a women's alliance like it's no it's <laughs> it's, it's it should certainly be on on the table if you feel like like you have the proper bonds with those women uh, on other levels and most importantly if you feel like aligning with those women will further your own net goals. So, yeah, like, and I think she started to say that a bit, but the vibe, you know, started shifting to this other thing. And I I remember now the point I was trying to make when I had this long-winded introduction is that part of what Kelly and Janet are doing by pushing back against, you you know, I think what they're saying about it being insulting and all that is true, but also they are trying to stomp the idea out in Jack and, you know, Uh, Jamal's mind that there's going to be a women's alliance so like they're not you know and it's always important to remember that you know things said at tribal council things said anytime in Survivor isn't always 100% without agenda so you know but I think even still, I think you know, the the bulk of their conversation was from the heart, and I think that, frankly, that's what makes it interesting, right? In that the, the show that we like, where there is you know social consequences and there's you know yeah you know, measuring what you say and all that, but there's still like these real moments, and the, and then there's the extra layer of um, I'm on television, so I should maybe be a little more eloquent with what I say. Mm-hmm. Um. So that is that discussion but that wasn't you know all that the episode had like even if you don't have that like there was some interesting stuff here uh and it centers again around kelly uh what did you guys think of like her move to save dean and take out jack uh brad what did you think
2: so i have been on record uh saying that this season in particular we're pivoting very hard into galaxy brain survivor um as we were saw as we were watching the genesis of this move and kelly talking out in real time there were so many moving parts that it really did feel like galaxy brain survivor i will say this if kelly thinks that it is in that it is in her best interest to keep dean around i actually think this might have been the play because by handing off your idol and not publicly giving it to him at tribal by still casting your vote for Dean, knowing and putting your trust in Dean that everything's going to go according to plan and that Jack is going to go home, you get the best of both worlds where you get to keep Dean, but you are not alienating yourself from your former Vokai tribe mates. So if that is the case, if that is, you know, priority number one is keeping Dean around, this might have been the way to do it. And obviously it worked out for Kelly. The question is though, is it worth keeping Dean around? What is that going to get you in the long run?
0: So... To answer that, the one thing is you keep a loyal guy, right? Someone you mm-hmm. saved, uh, somebody who likes you. Apparently, like they have, apparently they have a very good relationship, and he's now she's saved him. And number two, who would you rather go up against, Jack or Dean? If you're in the end game with somebody, I'd certainly rather be against Dean. Um, but the only thing to add on to the potential issues is is she going to get credit for this move because the only person who knows that she made it is dean
1: yeah yeah and it's the question is is this your resume building thing is this a credit thing or is it more like which situation is going to be best for me and yeah i do like they yeah, obviously inherent risk and i do think a lot of the motivation for her is i have this thing i need to do something with it now because it goes away and i'll say that's fine I'm okay with that. Have that motivation. It's certainly better than the, eh, I mean, whatever. And then letting uh, potential opportunities pass you by, because, you know, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but I do think that I, when you (laughs) have opportunities in survivor, you should really consider using them. And, you know, you should assume risk, um, when you know necessary because the absence of it is not necessarily Andy this
0: is a complete 180 for you
1: I know I know I usually (laughs) like it when people play conservatively but yeah and like to echo Brad's thoughts it's like yeah I think this was I mean for one I love the creativity of it whether or not it works out or not that you know all those things that you know Brad mapped out that you know she praised somebody else I do wonder if getting Nora to vote was one step too clever uh, and time will tell on that. It's just because now you have a lot more evidence hanging around.
2: It's true. Especially when Nora, after Dean had played his Idol, said, Why did he not play that last tribal? Right. So the assumption there is that he didn't find it in the, you know, three days in between. But when you have roped in, like you, Kelly, personally, roped in Nora into the scheme to get her to do what you want. And then Dean whips out in Idol. As Nora knows that Kelly went to the Island of the Idols, it's like there's a lot swirling around here. And if Nora can just piece those three things together, she's got Kelly dead to rights here.
1: Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just I don't know if Nora is somebody you want to be in business with for one. For two, the fact that there are two votes is like a messy detail that's going to linger from this and i think what she's doing is like as she's formulating this it's like oh but what if you know dean does this but then doesn't vote the way i want him to and then suddenly some like i and she said what if he votes for me which i think is something you could probably just say he's not going to uh but what if he votes for somebody more important i need to offset his vote with this and it's like i think at that point it's like that's might be a bit
2: too much and, and the funny thing oh go ahead
0: I was just saying, I think that's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation, because Mm -hmm. if you don't have a backup plan, right, and he does screw you, then everyone wonders, why didn't you, why didn't you plan for that? You know, Mm -hmm. it would have been so easy. Just get someone to vote, you know, just write down a different name. Why didn't you write down a different name? But if you don't, right, I mean, I mean, if you do do it, then you're in this situation. And I think that in her calculations, this seemed like the least harmful.
2: Yeah. The the thing that I would add to that too is uh even in this situation where Nora's voting for Jack, if you assume that Dean is gonna vote for Kelly, Dean is still covered by his idol and you're going to a revote on Jack and Kelly. So Kelly's now betting that she's gonna pull in more votes on her side and that you're gonna vote out Jack. I don't know if that's actually a safe assumption for her to be making at this point. Hmm.
1: Yeah. No, like it's certainly a contingency. Hmm. Uh it's a contingency with you know, uh, maybe unintended consequences, and time will tell on that one. Um, yeah, and I, and I think your point is uh, you know, well put, M. That it could be a damned if you do, a damned if you don't. It's just sometimes, and that's that's if, like almost every decision Survivor. on Survivor, right? <laughs> and it's just, um, But what I do like about it is, I think um, you know, getting rid of Jack and leaving Dean in the game is a decision that is not good for her alliance. It's not good for you know the people she's aligned with. But it is a good decision for Kelly, and I love that she was thinking that way. Because, yeah, Dean basically only helps her in this scenario, and frankly, I don't think will hurt her. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much damage he'll really do to anybody, uh, but anybody could um, outlast somebody, in and he certainly damaged Jack. Um, But... Yeah, it how Like, that's somebody that, you know, she could potentially work with where, it, by all indications, and some of this is from like exit interviews and stuff. Jack wasn't that person. Now, the, for whatever reason, they were not bonded. And so, yeah, wh- why not take this shot? You have this opportunity. I think she'd probably been thinking about it. It's like, I don't want to vote out Dean, but I don't want to stick my neck out for him either. I can't turn votes around. I can't really explain to people why I want this to happen. And then. We see that Epiphany, which was such a fantastic moment. Uh we should probably just briefly mention just in the annals of Survivor, just something like that, just the way it presents, the way it happens, the way they capture it. Oh, I love stuff like that.
0: That was awesome.
1: So yeah, in in the well, I I I like the Moxie. That's generally where you know a lot of my analysis comes. Like, will it work out? Will it not work out? I don't know. Most things don't. Uh, but no, I I like that she took the shot and I like the um the fact that she did it for selfish reasons, Yeah, I, I always prefer when players, you know, if you're going to lose, lose because you're trying to do something for yourself as opposed to this nebulous team concept, which it is not a team game. Um, now, on the flip side, another move we saw uh, last night was in response to uh, Dean playing an idol. Jamal gets up and plays an idol. Yay! That's good. She, Cause at that point I'm thinking that she's probably targeting you, Jamal. It was, you know, she talked about both Jamal and Jack. And I was worried that we're going to lose Jamal both because I, I like him and uh because John had predicted him. And I would have felt like this would have been the worst way to have broken up our streak. It's just <laughs> this random, you know, extra thing that goes to Jamal. It's like, no, nobody predicted Jack. Let's keep this thing going. Um, but then he plays it on Nora. Well, what the hell was that? That
0: I go ahead. (laughs) I,
2: yeah, um, my read of it was that when you see Dean get up and play an idol, right? That Jamal was banking on Dean making some type of move, and based on their relationship in the tribe, that even though Jamal was targeting Dean, Dean was not targeting Jamal, right? But he still wants to get to some scenario where his alliance is not being impacted. So if he thinks that Dean is going to target Nora as he and Dean and Jack had discussed playing the idol for Nora would nullify all of your votes. You're going to go to a revote on an entirely new slate of people, just not on Dean and Nora. And if you want to, if you want to keep Vokai intact, everybody just pile on Karishma, see you bye. And we're off and running to the merge. So I think that might possibly might've been a split second read and a split second decision. I don't know if it was the right one overall, but that might be the justification as to how you get from Ivan idol to I'm playing it for Nora.
1: Yeah, I have zero doubt that that's what he assumed Dean was doing, was voting for Nora. Whatever, well, like, uh, so? So? That's fine? Like, isn't Nora, like, your second choice of all the people to go out past Dean? Like, why are you yeah. trying to save her? I don't, yeah, like, and, like, what you are doing, if you have this right, read, is you are con- creating the conditions for you to go home, Jamal. This isn't the time to mess around.
0: Andy, I can't agree more. It's a lose-lose for him. Like, if he doesn't play the idol, if he thinks that Nora is the one who's going to get votes, right? Obviously, if he's playing the idol for her, that's what he thinks. If he thinks that she's the one who's now going to go home, let it happen. Let it happen. This is the person that you think is targeting you. This is the person that you just literally 10 minutes ago were talking about as a person that is forming an alliance to get rid of you. And by the way, at camp, she's the one talking the most smack about you. This is not your friend. Let it happen. Yeah,
1: like, frankly, like, like, this is a more ideal outcome than Dean going home. Like, honestly, I think if you were to ask Jamal before Tribal Council, he would have been like, I would rather Dean stay, but I don't have the, the you know, the, I can't make that happen. Cause you know, he doesn't have the epiphany that Kelly does. Um, so like, you know, so it's like, okay, we'll get rid of Dean. It's not that big a deal. I would rather him stay because he's loyal to me in a way that Nora is not just like for Kelly. It's like, Dean is loyal to me in a way that Jack is not, but yeah. And all I can think of obviously, you know, besides what Brad pointed out, it's the obvious I, I, I there's no doubt he thought that's where the vote was going. Otherwise you're literally just throwing an idol away. Um, <laughs> is that I think maybe he was moved by the content of that tribal council. Yeah. To th- like, just like, I'm going to, like, we've really grown here. I'm going to create, like, a a, a full alliance for me to get in, I'm going to save Nora, and we're all going to be friends. And yeah, like, the target has to be Karishma in his mind, if he even did that extra step math. Like, like it's just so weird that he would sacrifice an advantage for himself to save Nora,
0: I I can't can't Uh, wrap my head around it.
2: I really think it's like in the moment, right? In the split Mm -hmm. second of, oh my God, Dean has an idol. Did not see that coming. Oh wait, shit. That means our plan just went down the shitter, right? In those split seconds, he's piecing together and he gets to like, we're all saying the obvious thing of, okay, it's Nora then, right? But he just can't get to the spot of, I'm playing it for me to cover me. I need to play to counteract. Like something's happening here Mm -hmm. where, In the split seconds, he's not doing all this analysis that we get to do, you know, 24 hours removed after the fact with all this hindsight. It's just a split second, adrenaline's going, we got to play for someone, it is, my best guess is Nora, and it's sort of a roll of the dice at that point.
1: Yeah, no, and and I think that's definitely a possibility that it's just like, I still want to win. I said, well, when You you feel like you outmaneuvered us, Dean. Uh, no, you haven't. And some of that would actually align to uh, previous things we've seen from Jamal, right? He gets blindsided by the Molly vote, and instead of just, like, you know, accepting an olive branch in the next episode, he's like, uh, no, I'm going to turn this around and try to get them to, say, flip on Dan, as opposed to, you know, just, you know, say everything's forgiven. So, yeah, uh, it's certainly possible that, like, he's going to win, and he hasn't really thought through the next step of, okay— yeah, you stop Dean's wishes. Now what? That's certainly possible too. What do you think him?
0: I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that us sitting here discussing it is very different than making a decision on the island, right? Like you the conditions are there and I think earlier in the episode too when they're it's raining, raining, raining and they're all sitting around with this fire and Jamal's going after the fire all morning, everyone was completely Irritated with each other, snapping at each other, you know, and I, you really saw, I think, a glimpse into just how the conditions affect people just mood wise, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and I think that, you know, it's easy to discount how much that takes a toll in places like tribal council where you only get, you know, who, I mean, granted, we get an edited version, but the in between vote reading votes and vote reading i don't think is actually that long
2: right
1: you
0: know the point think where there's a deciding... short
1: break because they change camera camera angles right. or something i remember that being at least an issue uh, you know one like all-star season but yeah i it's think not they that order
0: long. the votes i yeah, think that's, that's it. yeah you know but i don't think it's that that long um, right. And
1: it certainly wasn't long from between, you know, Jamal. Oh, my God. Dean's playing an idol to, oh, my God, I need to do something. It's just so weird that his, in- his like instinct isn't safety. Protect myself. Protect myself. Oh, my God. What if it's me? Like, I, I you know, it, it must have been all acting because he went into this whole discussion, be like, it could be me because of this. And then he's just like, I'm going to save Nora. Insane. Uh, speaking of the dif- uh, difficulty of making snap decisions, Janet had one to make this episode. Yes. Uh, So uh, she goes to the Island of the Idols, and we have a discussion of calculating risk. Brad, we were talking about calculating risk. Uh, (laughs) You want to go? Go ahead. You know what? I mean, calculations really is your thing. Um, But but I don't know math. I just talk shit. Um, What what did you think about her decision uh, about to ultimately abstain from doing that?
2: I. See, part of it is, I actually don't remember this part of it, if they explained to her what the challenge was going to be, but I... No, they didn't, right? Okay. So at the very least, you need to find out more about what it is that you need to do. This could be a layup advantage for you to get. And if that's the case, just get the advantage in the hand. No one said that you had to use it, right? As I was listening to her go through, well, if I were to play this, then I would get this, but the optics would be that, and overall it'd be a net. I'm like... You don't know what situation you're going to be in five tribals from now. You might be at the very bottom and you need to stay alive for just one more day. And who cares if you lose your vote, you're going to be immune. This is the advantage for you. But if you get to that point and you never had to use it, that's fine. Throw it in the fire, burn all your evidence. You never had that to begin with, right? But to just discount it out of hand as something that you know would not be valuable to you, I don't know how you can do that in a game like Survivor.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because like after the episode, it seemed like you know, the the dominant feeling amongst you know the Twitter audience and such was that oh yeah, good thing Janet, you made the right call here. Um, you know this is a crap advantage. You know it's not worth the risk or whatever. And part of that is because like the show signed off on that. You know, Boss Rob was like, you know, good job, you did it. Um, I'd say like that wasn't my feeling, and obviously you know I have my own biases about like you know when you should assume risk or whatever. But like, what did you feel Em?
0: Well, first of all, if she hadn't turned it down, we wouldn't have gotten the great flashing scene. So yes. there's that. But... Uh, and hey, we don't I, know that she
1: didn't wouldn't have stuck
0: it somewhere else. Just that's saying, very you know. true. <laughs> that's very true. But I have to say, I initially thought that she made the right decision because my initial reaction was, this is not a great advantage. So instead of thinking about the idea that she... I, I hadn't quite gotten to the step of, but she doesn't have to play it. So because I hadn't quite made that leap... That, you know, this isn't something she has to do. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was just thinking about the strength of the advantage and the thought of her losing her vote. Not worth it. But the fact of the matter is, her vote wasn't really relevant.
1: It literally didn't count. (laughs) the vote that yeah. she uh, protected and obviously that's results you know there's no way to know sure. but if, like she doesn't even know if she's going to tribal council next right if she's like you know it's only for this next one i'm not going to need it we have a 5 to 2 advantage and possibly like a 6 to 1 advantage right but like yeah, as it turned out the vote that she fought to save uh she didn't actually get count to use <laughs>
0: yeah exactly but even if let's say for a moment that her vote had not been nullified it still wouldn't have mattered that's how big that majority was mm-hmm. so she really didn't have anything to lose and you're right she doesn't have to play it so I, at the end of the day had i made those connections i i would have made it i would have made it to that point at this point i think she should have gone for it she has nothing to lose
1: yeah now yeah. that i have had more time now the one thing like i'll say so if they want immunity uh, mm-hmm. and they came within yeah. seconds of doing so we're so now wise. at the merge yeah and that, you know it, uh, if it goes around tribal lines uh the former vocais would have lost one other person looking like tommy but you know whichever um now that vote would could be critical uh, and if she's doing that calculation that's you know i think That's fully respectable. What I didn't like was her reason why she wasn't doing it. And it was the simple, you know, if I were to play this, it would piss off my Alliance members and I would have to do that. And it's like, if you have to play this, you probably don't have that many Alliance members. And even if you do, they are not very useful to you at this moment, because if you have to play this very specific advantage, cause you're not wrong. M, this is a weaker advantage than an idol in two ways. Yeah. Uh, when you play an idol, you get to cast a vote this time. Yeah. You don't. And when you play an idol, you also get to nullify votes, right? Like if you yeah. You play it correctly, all these other votes don't count. Whereas this is like Gary Hogaboom's immunity, and that they just like, okay, we'll just vote for the next person. So, you know, as the person playing it, you're not protecting anybody else by drawing votes to yourself.
0: Can you clarify for me, because I wasn't quite sure about this? Mm -hmm. Does she, if she were to play an advantage like that, does she leave before the tribal even starts?
1: No, I think she leaves before the voting starts. Okay. uh uh, jeff i have this thing uh deuces Then she takes off and then the voting starts so like people wouldn't even have been like it wouldn't have been like they voted for janet it's like oh no now we're this and then whoever her alliance people were targeting goes home instead like it it doesn't have those powers so it is certainly an underpowered one but what it is is complete 100 percent blanket immunity and if you're out to final seven like that's a long ass time so yeah like you know, just so, so again, if she feels like her vote at the merge, which is, could be the next vote, is more important than taking this risk, I can support that. But the reasoning she was giving is like, if I were to play this, then I'd have to deal with the social fallout. Like, for me, like, I think that's one of the reasons why, amongst the many reasons, maybe not even the most dominant reasons, but I think it's one of the reasons why women, for instance, haven't been getting idols, uh, because they fear the, 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 You know, what would happen if I'm out there looking for an idol? There'll be a target on me. Ignoring the fact that, like, there's a target on you. Like, at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the game, there's just the fact that you're a woman is a target on you. And, again, it goes to my passion for risk assessment. It's like, but having an idol might be worth that risk, right? Because, like, there was a target on David when he went out there looking for idols. There was a target on Ty. But the target moved off of them because there was a fear that they had an idol. And it's the same deal here. Mm -hmm. more afraid of what will happen if I play this advantage versus... What will happen if I have this advantage? And more importantly, what will happen if I have it and someone else doesn't have it? Because, frankly, this one's probably going to be offered to
2: somebody else. Yeah, so I would I would say, like, your thought exactly lines up with mine of if uh, Janet was considering we win immunity, I go to the merge, I can't vote at the merge, and that is the most crucial vote sometimes in the entire game, is what happens at the merge. Like, that's a shitty position to be in. Um, but she didn't even get all the pieces before she got there, right? So exactly what you're saying. That wasn't the justification. The justification was, how am I playing it? And not actually, the lessons in calculated risk, you didn't get all the pieces to calculate. So right. the analysis inherently was flawed.
1: Yeah, because yes. my point is, like, how are you playing it? To save your life. That's how you're yeah. playing it. You can't worry about, uh if I play this and then go back to my you know, tribe and my alliance members might be angry at me if you don't play it, you're not going back to your tribe unless you're just completely wrong about your analysis. But like an advantage like this, very specifically, you would play it if you feel personally threatened. So the fallout after that doesn't matter. You're fighting for the next day. So yeah, I just, I didn't like her reasoning, but in the end, like I'm okay with not taking the risk because votes are pretty important. And again, like, yeah, now I'd say if you took the risk and lost your vote, throw the challenge because this vote as i said <laughs> doesn't matter you win this one you don't need your vote they won't even count it they won't even read it um but uh really quickly uh probably too late for that but like we love janet right yes
0: absolutely thumbs up
1: yeah i i honestly i think she's the person i want to win this season the most right now uh because you know i'm loving everything we're getting from her and also she's like the demographic who has never won uh oh, there's probably a few others but like an older woman has never won survivor this is uh, I tina like,
2: erasure andy this is a she wasn't
1: that old <laughs> man she's younger than i am currently she was younger than i am currently. <laughs> i, I was like oh
0: tina T- wasn't that old i was gonna say there, there are a few demographics on the season that that have not won
1: just yeah, absolutely. Out there. <laughs> If one of them wins that would even be more amazing because she's probably the favorite character i just don't think i, can. I, don't, I don't i'm think also
0: it's, rooting for kelly so
1: yeah <laughs> oh no i mean I, there's a lot honestly right now there's probably more people i would be happy to see win than not um but janet's you know top of my list um all right let's uh move on to another uh person i think is uh really great this season and that's missy Um, Really quickly, what did we feel about her assessment of, you know, the Tommy, Lauren, Dan, of who to target and, you know,
2: what's really going on with them? Brad. Uh, So, yeah, so Missy's read, I, I really just loved just the juxtaposition of the editing of Lauren and Dan getting together, saying, we gotta start pushing them towards... I'm sorry, uh, Lauren and Tommy. Lauren and Tommy getting together, saying, we gotta start pushing them towards Dan, right, because the two of us, we gotta make it to the merch together, and immediately, Missy's saying, I can see what they're doing, they're trying to push us towards Dan, so they can make it to the merch together. I ain't having it. So I think it's another uh, data point in the trend that we're seeing from Missy, of she is great with the reads. She is phenomenal with seeing what's happening in other people's social games, but... How is she acting on it? Because we have not seen the fallout from that interaction yet. But there have been instances in the past where, like specifically on the Chelsea vote, Missy gets a little spun out on the strategy. And so the read is great. But how she counters that uh, and makes moves and whips votes, some I think there's room for growth there.
0: Brad, that is 100% my take. I think that she hmm. reads people. She reads them so well. She had Lauren and Tommy pegged like she knew exactly what was going on however what she wanted to do with it what her what her plan was and granted she didn't get to enact it cuz they didn't go to travel but i i'm not on board with it in terms of what i i think it's a bad idea if you if she were to vote out tommy you completely alienate lauren but also why is your plan to have lauren draw in other people that why would you want her to be associating with the other members so that they can then gang up and turn on you she's not loyal to you you're not her you're not her number one you just went against her in the last vote she's no you don't want her to be going off to other people you want to keep her enclosed thank you it doesn't make sense (laughs) thank
1: you so much because yeah when she was making her arguments Aaron about this and i'm like Everything she was saying, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Great, good job. And then and then at the end it's like, so that's why we should keep Lauren and get on Tommy. Like, huh? I feel like the argument you were making is why Lauren should be the target. She's like, oh, she could turn around and she has so many people that more likely Tommy won't have anybody. He'd be a lost puppy without her. It's like, that's why you keep Tommy over her, not why you get rid of him. And I think it's just because like, and, and I think you know, relating to what Brad's saying is, she has great reads of what people are. I think she has great reads of like, what You know, will benefit her game tactically and strategically. I think her fault lies in the emotional fallout for these moves. So it's like, well, Lauren can help me because I feel much more a bond with her than Tommy. Tommy is, you know, Aaron's not mine. You know, and we could do this, but she hasn't thought of like what will it be to work with Lauren if you do these things. So yeah, and that's it. I love her for it because you know some of my favorite players all time are cold blooded people who did not properly calculate, you know, the emotional toll of these things. And you now some of them lost, some of them it didn't matter. Uh so for me, it's like, yeah, okay, well, keep you know slaying Queen, but I do see the flaws in it. And frankly, that's part of the fun too.
0: Yeah, you know, you, this brings me back to heroes versus villains, because you had they were going into the merge, they had Courtney and Sandra, and Courtney, they the big argument that she made keep me, keep me, keep me, was, oh, I know Amanda on the other side. Oh, I know all these other people on the other side. And they were immediately, like, out. Now, granted, it wasn't necessarily the best decision for them on the other, at the end of the day. But you didn't see Sandra going around going, look, I'm really tight with Rupert. <laughs> you know, Because <laughs> she knew, you know, that's the thing that gets you balanced. It's a bad idea. But I think your point about, like, what would it be like to work with Lauren after you voted out her bestie, I don't think that was considered.
1: No. It's just like, you know, she was like, okay, well, we got to get Dean. He's no good. He's no... Okay, well, how about then Chelsea? And then the whole point was, but we don't want to do that because that'll leave more people with bad feelings. And she was like, I don't care. I don't have time for that. And I, I mean, I kind of love her for it. But, you know, we'll see how that works out. It's an interesting strategy, Cotton. You um, know
0: who else didn't care about people's feelings? Russell. Yeah. You know us who will never win the game? Russell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Now, Missy is no Missy's Russell. not Russell. <laughs> but, to get back Missy's to an earlier Russell. discussion we've had, well, to kind of go back to where we started our discussion, is a woman allowed to be that? Is a woman allowed to sit in front of a jury and be like, fuck your feelings? <laughs> uh I mean, frankly, most men aren't allowed to, right? Like, you know, like there's probably been a couple. Like, Tony was able to be like, yeah, I'd sell out my wife and kids to win or whatever. But, like, Boston Bob lost all-stars, right? Yeah, Heideck. But, again, look who he had to sit next to, right? And it was still pretty close. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, most people can't. But,
0: like... Richard Hatch.
1: Yeah. Lost by, you know, or one-by-one vote, too. Like, it's not an fe- effective mm-hmm. strategy. But, uh, to your point... I still think, like, we have examples of men being able to do it. I don't know that we have any examples of women being able to do it. And frankly then, maybe that adds Missy to my list of somebody I'd love to see uh, win. Because, it's like, hey, women can also be, you know, um, cold-blooded and win Survivor. That would be fantastic to see.
0: I would say there are zero examples of women doing that. And I, I would 100%. love... I would love to see Missy go all the way and do that. And to be clear, she is not Russell. She reads people really well. I think she understands people a lot better than he does. And I think she actually genuinely cares about people, whereas yeah. I do not think, like mm-hmm. I think there is a degree of empathy that that he does not have. But she is self-interested and she will do what she needs to do. I would love for her to get to the end and make that pitch.
1: Yeah. I'd love well, I mean, to for see For Russell, so what it is uh, a huge difference is the cruelty is the thing for him. Like it's not exactly. even just so a lack of empathy. He, he
2: <laughs> in, enjoys uh, the cruel parts of it. Exactly. Yeah. And the one thing that I would say separates Missy again from Russell, like another element on top of it, is that Missy was actually surprised by the edit she that she was getting in a way that like, <laughs> that's not how I interact with people versus Russell, who was surprised by the edit he was getting because what are you talking about? I'm the greatest player who's ever played. Why am I getting a better edit? <laughs> the flaw
0: in the That's 100 the true. Yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. true. All right, uh, let's
1: move on to something kind of fun. Uh, I, we have three very different perspectives here, so I thought it'd be fun to kind of get <laughs> into uh, what the thirst rankings for the season. Uh, you know, who, who's really doing it for you uh, on this season? <laughs> from a thirst standpoint and um, I'll go first. Cause my, my, my uh, perspective is the least interesting. Um, frankly, this isn't the season for that for me um, uh, as Brad can probably you know, confirm. You know, I, I was very interested in Molly at the beginning of the season and not just because um, when her picture was shared, our profile, uh, a dimension picture was shared on Twitter, it was cropped to feature her buff. Uh, we'll say, uh, but I thought, you know, she was super cute and fun. And since then, it's like, yeah, so that, that, that's where I'm at. And, you know, again, I'm less interesting than anybody else here. So let's hear what you guys got.
2: Uh, uh, Brett. Go? Oh, OK. Um, So I made an early call. I think it was in the first episode. I made a call that Jack was going to be the island hottest. I retract the <laughs> statement. I was wrong. Um, so even if we included him, you wouldn't make my top three. Um, number one with a bullet right now is Tommy. Uh, yeah, how about that picture I
1: shared in, uh, on Slack, huh? Like, I probably put it in the wrong channel when I threw it on Slack. Yes, Survivor.
2: you did. No, you did. Yes. Uh, but um, as Andy can attest to, if we're swapping, you know, that sort of thing, um, I gingers are kind of, you know, I don't know. There's, there's something about a ginger. I don't know. But Tommy's number one with the bullet. Um, I would say Aaron is is number two. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Dean is number three. There are a lot of people who say that Dean is the hottest of the season. I don't know what? where we're getting that from. But for me, I mean, Dean's up there. He's three, but he's not eclipsing either Tommy or Aaron, in my opinion. Yeah, he's kind of like on a, a, a basic attractive,
1: but there's nothing terribly interesting about what's going on there. In a um, real
0: Mayo way. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, like, if, <laughs> you know, again, if that's your thing. and. Uh, who are we to judge if you just was so like hey i like it uncomplicated but you know all the power to you um if you,
0: if you love men who can't swim yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll you'll rescue him you'll be his janet um yeah, did so you guys notice
0: the charisma voting confessional where she said stay dry
1: yeah sweetheart so yes i did uh the, um, for one, it's like good for her, but two, it's like he's not going home for Karishma. Huh? <laughs> I took it
0: as that he can't swim. Evidence.
1: Oh, see, I think he was where well, I took it, and it's certainly possible <laughs> that um, I feel like maybe he was making a lot of cracks about her complaining about the rain. Uh, and this Fair is enough. Throwing it back at him, like "fuck you, buddy." Uh, all right, <laughs> um, all right, M. Who who you got?
0: So I think that the island has treated Kelly very well.
1: A hundred percent agree. I'll say when she was like her vote out confessional that they show like over the credits, uh, the the, the look of self-satisfaction and determination while she was showing her dean vote, but probably explaining her masterstroke was a very good look for her.
0: Exactly. And uh, I think Aaron is pretty island hot, actually. Obviously, not somebody I'd go on a date with myself, but I can appreciate objectively (laughs) that he is attractive. Um, So, yeah. And uh, I think Missy is very attractive.
1: Yeah, I think Missy is attractive. Probably what's happening for me there is it's clear that she's taller than me. And, you know, that is,
0: you know,
1: I am comfortable in a lot of ways. But that is, a lot, frankly, I don't even know if it's full of fragility as much as it's, you know, good natural selection. It's like, look, we both know what the score is here. You know, even if my listed basketball height, which is a complete fiction, yeah, you know, she'd be like, move it along. So, yeah, you know, that's probably what's going on there.
0: Well, because I'm five two, literally everybody is taller than I am. So <laughs> it works out for me.
1: All right. Uh so yeah, that's uh three different perspectives. Uh interesting. If you ha- uh please feel free to share your own, as though I need to tell people that in our comment section. <laughs> um but I will say like this is not the thirstiest season of all, but the cast is pretty awesome. So, you know, I mean, you know, it's just two things. It's not enough data points, but you know, it's something and maybe you know. Uh, personally i would rather interesting cast members than attractive but you know if we could get both maybe in some kind of crazy all-star season who knows it's the thing um all right it's time that we talk about advice um because it's just a dynamite segment everybody loves it you can tell by the the reams and reams of questions we get uh um i'll say this is it's it's my wife's favorite segment of the season so th- hey. that's something how- um my kids favorite segment is the theme song that's 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 in other bag otherwise we don't let them listen to this show um all right uh first question i have recently started a temp job it is very boring but not hard or taxing the issue is that the guy i sit next to is the worst uh so far he has told me he doesn't believe in vaccines think women in entertainment are paid less due to popularity and that women's sports is crap this guy's the worst you guys um I'm an argumentative person, evidenced by liking this podcast and website. How do I disengage from discussions with him? And if I can't, how do I survive this man for three more months? Yours, SJW Snowflake. Uh, Brad, what do you got? Uh,
2: So, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you disengage with it, aside from just putting in headphones. Like, I don't know your office space. I don't know, you know, like, what sort of job you're working here. Uh, But... I mean, it's perfectly fine to just pop up some headphones for the name of I need to be productive. And this is, you know, I'm listening to my white noise meditation tapes that are going to help me power through. Right. Because what like as a teacher, I don't really have this particular issue because most of the people (laughs) who are annoying me are sometimes children. Um, But like when you're on a plane, the two options I've got are one, pretend you're sleeping. And two, put on headphones. And one of those isn't going to work when you're working in an office. So yeah, try uh, try out headphones if you really need to like tune them out and just not engage with them. Yeah, it's really the universal symbol for I don't want to talk to you is I have headphones on.
1: Yeah, whether or not this is a dude who would respect those boundaries, that's a different question. I am. Okay. I'm sure you've never had to deal with frustrating people in the workplace.
0: Never, not once in my entire life, not once. Um, in terms of disengaging. disengaging. Um, luckily, I had a wonderful office mate for, for six years, so I never had that issue in my own office space. That's the lucky thing. I didn't have to deal with that. But um, I was going to suggest headphones in terms of if the specific advice is asking for how do I disengage headphones. But if you really can't do that, if your office space doesn't allow for that, I would recommend just saying repeatedly every time that he tries to speak to you, I'm sorry, I can't. I really can't talk right now. I need to focus. I'm sorry, I really can't talk right now. I'm very busy. Even if you're doing nothing, even if he can tell that you're doing nothing, just say, "I'm sorry, right now. I really need to focus. I can't talk." He will get the message eventually if you say it every single time.
1: Yeah, so this one's in my wheelhouse here. We're 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 finally getting for some for me because uh, I've had so few opportunities to talk. Um, so I. Live in, I mean, everybody knows I'm Canadian. How uh, jokes, blah, Wait, Matthews, blah, blah, blah. Um I think most, some people may have been able to piece together if they <laughs> even understand that there are different, you know, areas of Canada. Uh, I'm, I live in Western Canada. I work in the oil and gas industry. Um, you know, software, but still, that's all that. So I share like nothing in common with almost all of my coworkers. This is not somewhere where you know my politics or interests closely aligned at all um you can only imagine what it would have been like in that environment when you know like the uh, i mean i guess you can only you probably can't imagine because you guys never think about this sort of stuff but like you know there was lots of great justin trudeau blackface jokes oh. not support because they would never support trudeau but i'll tell you they're not funny um you know when you know greta thunberg's videos start coming out oh so much wonderful office talk um and again as I previously stated I'm pretty new at this place. Uh I was like I was just under contract not even a full employee uh that has recently changed. Um so it's like I I like you know I think the person asking for advice you don't really want to step out there too much. But at the same time there's like this moral feeling like you don't want to just be like yeah oh yeah 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 especially with the garbage this guy's saying. Um you have to just try to keep everything at surface. They say their bit because they don't care. There's somebody who's just going to say their stuff. This is my opportunity to entertain instead of you know engaging with somebody talking. No idea what that would be like. Um, and then you respond back with like a huh or a, like a really quick things. And then you just move on. I know this is tough for the person asking because they say they're argumentative. This is like they, where they live. This job ain't worth it, man. This isn't where you need to be doing that. You know, do like what you know, a good normal person is and uh, start all your shit online. Maybe start a podcast and just, you know, just vent. Uh, but like at work, yeah, they'll you know they say these things and you'll be like, eh, how about that? And then uh, not confirm nor deny you're not saying anything and eventually you just won't be the person they talk to they'll find somebody else
2: uh i don't know if well if it's person someone that you sit next to there still might be the proximity of they're still going to talk to you the one twist i'll put on what andy's saying is you can say hmm in a way that isn't necessarily neutral but in a way that will needle them so make it a game for you every time they say something extremely stupid just go hmm and just like that, like the fact that you clearly don't agree, but you're not going to elaborate, do it enough times, and they will spit out. It's actually kind of fun if you get it to, if you get the right person to get this reaction from, so yes, yeah, so, another angle that you could take with that, yeah, it's like that, like so there's a sales guy who, you know, just thinks he's super
1: funny and all this. And, like, you know, shared to like, oh, oh, think, you know, in 20, 10 years, uh, there's not going to be uh, a spot for, you know, middle-aged white guys like myself. And, like, I'm like, huh, yeah, so you think that, huh? In fact, like, this guy, because, you know, he's kind of a jokester or whatever. And, frankly, because, like, work-wise, he actually helps me out. I've pushed back gently, like, cause I'm also, Oh, uh, Hey, I'm the funny guy with the sarcastic, you know, sense of humor to the degree that I've let these people know anything about me. Uh, I'll be like, so I, I'm not in these rooms. Uh, you are, you'll tell me, uh, when you go to our oil and gas clients, how many people in the room look like you? Like, did you find, has it been your experience that you feel outnumbered in these rooms? And then that shuts him up for at least a minute. And then he probably goes back to it because I, let me tell you, um, that is not the case from what I see on the leadership pages or the websites I visit. Um, Generally their diversity counts as this guy still has color in his hair or hair at all. Uh, That's about as far as that goes. Uh, But yeah, like, it's just like, I've been very successful at separating who I am at work, which is just the place I go to to make money and who I am in real life and then who I also am on this show. So, yeah, and she's only going to be there three months or he or she apologize for for gendering. Um, (laughs) You don't need to engage this person. Don't let this person take from you. Don't – yeah, because yeah, I know there's the instinct of, well, you know, I, I this is how these bad attitudes happen and this is how, you know, Donald Trump gets elected or Brexit happens or whatever. Uh, it, it, you're not going to change that dude's mind. He's not worth the bandwidth of your life.
0: And if I may, whatever gender you are, if this person – what if I whatever they're saying, a good, I think, sort of like electrical buzz – Every time they speak, just to make them uncomfortable, just bring up menstruation. It's fine. Don't <laughs> we'll stop talking. I promise.
1: All right. Uh, some great advice. Uh, I think we solved that one, guys. All right. Uh, let's uh, go to the next one. Uh, real quick. Um, at what point in a new relationship do you reveal the depth of your survivor fandom asking for a friend? Um, <laughs> this is, uh, I think actually you have experience with this one, Em. Is that uh,
0: correct? Yeah. Yes. And, um, oh, God, I'm trying to remember exactly what year in I was.
1: <laughs> Were you engaged at this point?
0: <laughs> I think so. I think I might so have well. been engaged. <laughs> It's possible I was engaged. I remember there was a moment, I think I was, like, re-watching Survivor Philippines, where she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just watching Survivor, a show I've been watching religiously since, like, 2001." all my
1: survivor (laughs) friends on the internet yeah
0: it was like coming out all over again
1: (laughs) and frankly like i think that might be solid advice wait till you got a ring on it and then uh because i'll say like for me i um i also had to um you know i i started watching survivor and then i you know met somebody and you know but They also watched Survivor, so it was very simple. Also, it was Survivor Africa, and, like, everybody watched watching Survivor, so I wasn't really revealing anything about myself, um, because that's how long I've been with my wife, since all the way back then. It's like, everybody watching Survivor. You didn't have to be like, I'm some weirdo that watches that show you assumed was cancelled 12 years ago. Uh, It was just like, oh, yeah, okay, it's on, let's watch it. Uh, How about you, Brad? Do you got anything besides, you know, ask them to marry you first and then (laughs) let them know?
2: I mean, really what I was going to say was make sure that you've made the relationship inextractable, uh, but you can feel it out ahead of time, right? In the early stages, you can drop some some lines, some references, right? Like, for example, I use the phrase, uh, you know, someone or something is back, 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 back again, and that means something. To certain fandom of people, so you've got lines from Survivor that you can drop here and there. If you get a signal that they're receptive to it, you can open up earlier. And if not, you know, wait till you're on your second mortgage and then you know, <laughs> reveal it. That's that's pretty good.
1: So it's like you're having you're, you're making dinner for them. And it's like, oh yeah, and on the side we're gonna have a baked potato and all the fixins. And then you just kind of watch. <laughs> uh you know it's like it's games night you got some couples there and you're like and you want to know what you're playing for and then just kind of look and look could work i think i like that that's excellent all right uh final qu- uh, advice question um when do i get this damn popeye sandwich so i'm not standing in line for an hour so like i think uh oh signed fuck chill chick-fil-a in chicago Uh, So I think specifically they're uh, asking, like, you know, what was the best time or strategy to actually get the sandwich that apparently is really difficult to get? I say apparently because um, Popeye's, I I don't know if, like, actually, Popeye's are here. You know what? I think the best answer is just come to Canada because I've heard nothing about long lineups for the chicken sandwich here. I bet I could just stroll into a Popeye's tomorrow. I just wonder if they have the sandwich.
0: I was going to say, you guys may not have the sandwich. I'm guessing that's probably
1: what's happening. But another thing that we don't have a lot of where I am is the demographic that truly loves Popeye chicken sandwiches.
0: So I have the answer to this one. All right. And also fuck Chick-fil-A. But here's the answer. Fly to Brooklyn. Come hang out with me. Go to the Popeye's by my work because apparently there's been no lines and we don't understand why. But someone was able to get like three chicken sandwiches the other day.
1: Is the answer to that question gentrification?
0: Um no. I okay. don't believe the answer. No, no. <laughs> not not for this one. Okay. Not for this one.
1: There you go. Uh, So, so far we have, you know, fly to Canada and maybe it's on the menu or not. I haven't checked um, because I I just like the the chicken itself. Um, And again, also, I don't even have to worry about, you know, uh, boycotting Chick-fil-A just because being in Canada takes care of that for me. Um, There was one in our airport. It's up out of there. Um Brad, how about how about yourself? How, how what how do you think this person should go about getting their Popeye sandwich if they do
2: not live in one of our
1: you know lineup free uh communities?
2: Yeah, so it's hard. Uh you could maybe go at an off hour. I don't know how many people are lining up for a chicken sandwich at 3 30 in the afternoon, right? All so if them. you're okay moving your, your meal times, you can go during an off time. Uh you could do something with postmates and pay a very hearty tip to whatever person you're making stand in that line. one hour but you personally will not be in that line for one hour um the other alternative is going to involve a red shirt black pants and a beige visor uh you're gonna have to sort of get in disguise and enter and really do this at a popeyes that you're familiar with but enter the popeyes if there's a line if there's that much of a rush they're not gonna notice that oh there's a new person on shift and yeah jump in we need all hands on deck um maybe it'll be helpful if you know how to uh work a grill or work you know a fryer um but at a certain point when there's a rust of sandwiches coming off the line you need to intercept those before they hit the counter and make a dash right make sure that your car is parked in a convenient spot preferably one lot over because there's no traffic for people coming in book it right on out of there and you're home free with the sandwiches
1: i see i like that solution
2: We're we're helping people here. It
1: feels good. Uh, One way we're not helping people at all is with our predictions, which we have done (laughs) just amazing. A whole pre-merge without a single correct choice. And not only that, as Assistant Dragon Slayer has done the research um we've only actually like ever predicted somebody who would eventually leave the game like three times so far
2: yeah i think i believe it was you and i both said vince once does that feel right to you brad uh i think it might have been you or john but we got close, and people change change their votes yeah
1: yeah and then yeah and, and then uh i believe you know tom once but that's it like with everybody else we haven't even like assumed they would be a target at any point and now it's harder Now we're picking between 1 and what, what's left, 13 or something? Uh, And this upcoming week, uh, reportedly it's a two-hour episode, so that'll be two boots. Uh, Which means that not only do we have to predict two people, but we have to get the order right. Um, So what I am hoping is that we finally get a name right, but we get it in the wrong order and thus the zeros continue. So, um, Brad, who do you got?
2: All right. Uh, I have made a, I've made multiple iterations of this, but a public proclamation that we're betting on Purple. Purple has been dominating just in terms of challenges. Purple has the numbers going into the merge. I think Purple can carry it home. I don't know if the winner will be Purple, but for the most part, that alliance will dominate most of the game. Uh, so if that logic holds at the merge, I think they're going to take out one of the power players um, from the very old Lyro, and I think there might not be a better time to take out Missy, right? I feel like we all sort of feel that Missy might be going for a bit of a blow up, maybe at the merge, that's the vote that you're going for. So I will say it's going to be Missy at the merge. Then thereafter that, uh, there's been a lot of negative Dan content this week, previous weeks. Uh, Missy is just like the timing piece, but Dan oof, like, there are so many better goats for you to be herding. I think Dan is going out at some point soon. We're gonna say that Dan goes out as the second boot next week.
1: Alright, uh, so I think there's gonna, you know, it looks very chaotic for next week, you know, and the previews and all that, and it makes sense. Like, there's a seven to six advantage, but one of those seven is Nora. However, two of that six is also Dean and Karishma, so it's hard to say what will that be. There's plenty of opportunities for realignment, and I think what will end up happening is after all the madness and all the different plans, they'll just settle on, why not just Dean? Nobody really likes him. Nobody wants him. Like, he has no alliance partners. Like, the closest thing he had was maybe Jamal, who, you know, voted, not only voted him out, but, you know, tried to play in an alliance to, you know, thwart him. So I think uh, after everything moves and they can't land on a target, Dean will just be a safety valve, and it could even be, like, a lot of votes going against him. Um, and then, um, now it's time to really make a move, and I think what we're seeing a lot with the original Vokai is they feel themselves... Uh, like the individual components of Vokai are so much more threatening than the players who were there. You saw that on the taking out Jack. You saw that yeah, in different things. Like they, they probably rightly feel uh, to some degree that we're the better players. And now it's time to go after Jamal. Uh, so I think it'll go Dean Jamal. M uh, you yes. get to predict and you could be right and not screw up our, our order. Cause then you just get bragging rights, but you know, you, it won't be a, a number on the spreadsheet. So uh, go ahead and win the day. What do you got?
0: So I don't think I've been worried about a prediction since co-wrong. I think that's how long it's been. So I don't have a lot of hope for myself. But I think that I, I my reasoning is similar to your guys's, But I just came to a different conclusion. I think that the first vote out is going to be Aaron. I think that's where they're going to go. I think that they're going to want a physical threat out. And I think because of his connection to Missy. Mm-hmm. So... Sort of like a sideways hit. Yep. Um, And I think, and I hate to say it, I think they're going to go after Elaine because if they're smart, they will not let her get anywhere near a jury. And if they wait too long, that's exactly where she'll get.
1: All right. Well, what I like about that prediction is that you said you're terrible at these things. So hopefully Elaine will stick around. (laughs) The sad thing is. That could mean that she goes out first. Uh, All right. uh, So before we end this week, um, I think everybody in the Survivor community is aware, unless somehow we are your only source of news. Um, uh, We lost uh, an original Survivor uh, this week, uh, uh, on the weekend. Uh, Rudy Bosch from Survivor uh, Original Recipe and All-Stars passed away. Uh, Brad, you basically have no memory of the guy, right?
2: Yes, that is true. So I have seen both those seasons... Mm -hmm. No recollection. I actually didn't know whether his last name was pronounced Bosch or Bosch until you ah. just said it right now. So, you don't know um, that
1: I'm right, just so we're clear. Oh, I'm... so true.
2: So rest in peace, Rudy, but I am not the one to eulogize him.
1: Um, em, did you have any thoughts about Rudy that you wanted to share?
0: Well, first of all, I find that shocking. Um, well, he, Brad
1: is stupid young is the thing you need to remember. I believe he was three years old when Survivor started. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, wait, I think I gave... I'm bad with numbers, so I might not have given away valuable biographical numbers, but,
2: like, again... He's actually wrong. Andy is wrong. It wasn't three. Okay. Yeah, we'll leave that to mystery, what what the age was.
0: So the thing about Rudy is he's a a complicated, complex person for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciate... The fact that this show likely would not be where it is today. I don't think we'd be going to a season 40 because I don't think we would have gotten to a season two without Rudy and his relationship to Richard Hatch. He was intensely popular. Yes. he was extremely popular. People loved him. So I think that he was a huge part of the success of the show that and Sue's uh, snakes and rat speech. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two things that got us to season two. So I appreciate him for that. And of course I am always, you know, I, I am sad for Stanley, family. I'm sad for him. He's complicated for me. Um, yeah. you know, he has always been sort of held up in the community and I've seen a lot of lionizing posts about him as this beacon of tolerance. And I have just really never felt about him that way because Richard Hatch does not speak for all of us here. And, um, It was really difficult for me as a young queer person, as a young lesbian, (laughs) watching him um, using the word queer not in the way that it is intended to be used, especially when that word was being used against me at that same exact time. It wasn't okay in 2000. and, And a lot of people try to say, oh, it was 2001. Well, it wasn't really okay then either. And the other thing is pe- a lot of people say, oh, well, he was 72. Well, my grandmother at that time was in her 80s, and she wasn't doing that. So I, I don't love those those rationalizing the rationalizations of it. And the other thing about it is that a lot of people don't um, know the full extent of his feelings,
2: <laughs> which right.
0: is that he, he had said previously that if he had met a gay or lesbian person on the island, that he would throw them off of it. And he's gotten a lot of credit for basically just doing the bare minimum of not hating Richard. Because Richard was the type of gay that he could get along with. So it's been very difficult for me to see him held up as like this beacon of tolerance and acceptance when I've really never seen him that way. So he's complicated for me. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sad for him and I appreciate his contribution to the fact that we got we got this show.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Uh, honestly, it summarizes a lot of my feelings. Like, even when I was watching at that time, and, you know, I didn't have the fully, uh, I mean, fully evolved isn't even the right thing because it's an ongoing evolution and process. But even then, I'm like, I'm not finding it as adorable that he's like, ah, I like this guy even though he's queer. Like, yeah, you know, the way that other people were responding to it. So, yeah, I, my feelings are complicated as can because, yeah, 100% right. Rudy is a huge part of why this show exists, why it was successful. But yeah, the way that people have always been like quick to, you know, laugh it off never felt right for me either. So you now again, thank you for that. And, um, I think that's enough for this episode. Uh, next week there'll be people podcasting that aren't as good as us about basically. Right. <laughs> does that sound to sound right to you guys? Yeah. All right. It's so, obviously. uh, if you're watching the version that we post on YouTube, it'll be over in a couple seconds here. Otherwise, I'm going to throw some music on the end. Thanks again, Brad Nim.
0: Thank you.